from this morning's gospel. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. As I mentioned last week, we have embarked upon a special period in the calendar of the church, one that is often called the season of Epiphany Tide. This season, like the day of Epiphany itself, leads us to focus upon episodes and teachings in our Lord's life that manifest, which is the meaning of the Greek word epiphany, that manifest his identity to those around him and to us, his followers. Today we commemorate and remember the baptism of Jesus himself, that event which marked the beginning of his public ministry and, as I said very quickly last week, was his manifestation as a member of the Holy Trinity to the world. I want to suggest to us this morning that Jesus' baptism serves many important theological purposes, one of which is this. It is the very pattern, model, and guide for all Christian baptism. That is, by looking at Jesus' baptism, we are able to answer questions like, what is holy baptism? What does this sacrament mean for me? my spiritual life, my children, my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren? How does baptism affect my daily walk with Christ? In the gospel reading from St. Mark that Father Ted read, which is found in chapter 1 of that gospel, we encounter John the Baptist preaching and baptizing for repentance. Jesus, we are told, shows up one day and receives this baptism from St. John. While being baptized, the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove descends and rests upon Jesus, and the voice of God the Father speaks and proclaims Jesus as the beloved Son of heaven, with whom our Father is well pleased. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Here, in one of the clearest examples of all scripture, the Trinity is presented and revealed. Perhaps the only other time where the Trinity is so clearly manifested is back in Genesis chapter 1, when God first created the world. There you have God the Father creating by the power of his word, Jesus, of course, being the word of God, and the spirit of God hovering over the waters of the earth. God, word, spirit, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. How fitting it is that just as the Trinity was revealed at the creation, that it would also be revealed again here as Jesus inaugurates the second new creation of the entire cosmos. Notice also the presence of water. Genesis 1-2 tells us that water covered the earth, and out of this water God formed and fashioned the dry land in all creation. Here, in the baptismal waters... God calls forth his son and forms and fashions the new creation by the power of the Holy Spirit. Water is the mystical medium used to confer creation and new creation. In Jesus' baptism then, the Trinity is revealed and is shown to be about the work of recreating and redeeming fallen humanity. But it's not just Jesus' baptism that connects us to the Trinity. Just as Jesus' own baptism marks the very beginning of St. Mark's gospel, 
so also does the command for the disciples to go and baptize the nations mark the very end of St. Mark's gospel. Baptism is bookends. In the final verses of St. Matthew's gospel, we're given a fuller picture of our Lord's command to baptize. He tells us to do so in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Baptism in the Christian faith is, by our Lord's own decree and command, a Trinitarian act, just as his baptism was a Trinitarian act. And so if we want to understand the sacrament of baptism that all of us have received, we have to look at it through the lens of the Holy Trinity. We have to ask what each member of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, is doing, accomplishing in our baptisms. And Jesus' baptism gives us the answer. And so let's begin by looking at God the Son in our Lord's baptism. The first question we have to answer is this. Why on earth did Jesus even get baptized? Have you ever asked that? John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Why would Jesus take on this baptism? He had no sin, right? And so he had no need to repent. Why was he baptized? Well, the answer actually comes in Matthew's gospel. When Matthew describes the baptism of Jesus, he tells us that at first John did not want to baptize Jesus for these very same reasons I just raised. Jesus was the Messiah. He should be baptizing John. He should be baptizing all of us. But when John tried to refuse, Jesus insisted that he be baptized so that he could, quote, fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? It means that in his baptism, Jesus is continuing the work of fulfilling the law, fulfilling righteousness for us and for our sake. You see, in his baptism, Jesus identifies himself with sinful humanity. He undergoes a ritual for purification from sin in order that he might be our substitute. Of course, he didn't need cleansing or repentance. He's the perfect spotless lamb of God. But he goes through baptism for our sake. By entering that water, he affirms baptism as a means of overcoming sin, death, and the devil. This is how Martin Luther explained it. Christ accepted it, baptism, Christ accepted it from John for the reason that he was entering into our stead. Indeed, our person, that is, becoming a sinner for us, taking upon himself the sins which he had not committed and wiping them out and drowning them in his holy baptism. In his baptism, Christ identifies with us sinful humanity. He takes what belongs to us, repentance and the forgiveness of sins, and takes it upon himself. He unites with us. Now, in a similar way, when we are baptized, we're united to Jesus. Galatians 3, 27, Paul says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. St. Paul is saying that in our baptisms, we have been clothed with the blessings of Jesus. Now, what are those blessings? 
Paul tells us in Romans chapter 6. He says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Paul is saying that through baptism, we are united to Jesus and to his saving death. On the cross, Jesus took our place. He died the death that you and I deserved as a penalty for sin. In baptism, we are united to Jesus and his death, his payment for sin, and it becomes ours. We are freed, as St. Paul says, from the power of sin and death. And this means that at the end of time, his resurrection will become ours. We will live forever, church, not by our power or by our strength or by our works or by our merits, but by Jesus' work on the cross, which he has promised and infused into us in holy baptism. United with Christ, that is the great blessing of baptism. And this comes with a practical point. Have you ever asked yourself the question, how do I know that I am in Christ? How do I know that he really abides in me or that he will love me? If you've asked those questions, then just as Paul points the Romans towards their baptism, we too need to remember our baptism. We need to remember that our works will never be good enough. We need to remember that our faith will never be strong enough. The only thing good enough and strong enough is God's word and work in you. Remember your baptism. You have been united to the word and work of God in Christ Jesus, the only Son of God. And it's this union with Christ that allows us to see Jesus' baptism as our very own. If we are in him and he is in us, then his baptism is also ours. Once we see this, once we see the intimate unity that the believer has with Jesus, then we can see the roles of these other members of the Trinity and how they play out in Jesus' baptism and therefore in ours. And so the Father, at Jesus' baptism, God the Father speaks from heaven and says, You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well pleased. In his baptism, Jesus was publicly declared the beloved son of his heavenly father. And the same is true in our baptisms. We are adopted. Paul tells us in Galatians 4, 6, that God has sent the spirit of his son into each of our hearts and making us his children through heavenly adoption and enabling us to call out to God, Abba, Father. He is our loving Heavenly Father, not because we've earned it, church, far from it, but because we are in Christ and what belongs to Jesus belongs to us. Let this be again a word of comfort for you all this morning. In baptism, God has given us a tangible, visible word. And what word is it? It's one of love and grace and peace. This means we don't have to fear the wrath of God. In Christ, he has declared us his beloved children. So many people have a view of God that he is this mean, vindictive, 
person who is just out to get them and will zap them or smite them with, with his divine energy the moment they slip up. If you struggle with that this morning, remember your baptism. Remember that in Christ, God has declared you his beloved child. He has declared that because of Christ's work on the cross, he is pleased with you. God the Father is not angry with you. He loves you so much that he has baptized you. Baptism, united to the Son, declared beloved by the Father. But this is also a great working of the Holy Spirit. The gospel says that when he, that is Jesus, came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. In his baptism, Jesus is equipped with the power of the Holy Spirit so that he could fulfill his mission on earth. This is true of us who are united to Christ. John the Baptist tells us that when Jesus comes, he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. This means through baptism into Christ, we too are given the Holy Spirit. We see this all through the book of Acts, where disciples are baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And Paul in Titus chapter 3 tells us that through baptism, we receive the renewal of the Holy Spirit. We have to ask the question though, what is the purpose of being equipped, of being filled with the Holy Spirit? Right after Jesus is baptized, Mark tells us that the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tested by the devil. And Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit, through his baptism, succeeds in this spiritual warfare. He doesn't give in to Satan's temptations. Instead, he relies on God's word and he defeats Satan. The same is true for us. Baptism prepares us for a life of spiritual warfare. I don't mean wrestling with the devil in the wilderness, but fighting sin in our lives. It is our armor that enables us to fight the good fight of faith through the Holy Spirit. So whatever struggles or temptations you are going through this morning, remember your baptism. God has equipped you with his spirit, and he alone is able to preserve you and lead you to victory against sin, death, and the devil. In his baptism, Jesus has already drowned out the evil one from this world, from our lives. And now he gives us the promise of that exact same victory if we would but cling to it. Perhaps now, after your baptism, though, you're in the desert in a different sense. Perhaps you're going through one of those proverbial wilderness experiences in your walk with Christ. We've all heard of these or probably experienced them. It's that spiritually dry season in your life. You just don't feel Jesus. You just don't feel the Holy Spirit. If this is you this morning, then remember your baptism. Let your dry, parched relationship with God be quenched by the flowing waters of baptism as you remember again the great mercy, grace, and love of God given you in Jesus. That he would die for your sins, pay for your debt, grant you the Holy Spirit, and all while you are yet a sinner. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the blessed and glorious Trinity, 
That is the great player and actor in baptism. The Trinity was present in Jesus' baptism, and by our union with Christ, the Trinity works in our baptism. We are united to Christ and his death for us. We are declared beloved children by the Father, and we are equipped with the Holy Spirit for a life of spiritual warfare against sin, death, and the devil. These are the promises of baptism, and God does not go back on his promise. Now, it's important to say, by way of conclusion, that all of this takes place within the context of faith. It is faith that receives baptism. Without faith in our hearts, the sacrament of baptism and the promises of God are rejected and they remain unclaimed in our lives. But when faith and baptism meet, then we have the beautiful marriage of God's work in us through faith and God's work through Christ for our salvation in holy baptism. And so as we come forward to the altar in a few moments, may we remember that it is not our own worthiness that grants us access to this incredible feast, but solely through the power and salvation of God are we made clean. Are we washed? Do we wear the wedding garments? Are we baptized and invited? Remember your baptism, dear church. Remember the goodness and loving kindness of your God in Jesus Christ. And come to this place. For yet again, through this sacrament, will our Father proclaim to you in bread and wine, Thou art my beloved, and in you am I well pleased. Amen.